0: I hope I don't fuck up. You just want to call it (laughs) quits. No, no, I was gone for two months taking voice lessons. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to Shuffle. My name is Dominic. Keep going. Today we have five songs for you. You picked them, we listened to them, we reflected on them, and now we'll speak about them. Jeez. So, like, fucking... Pretty good. I'm glad I sent you away to those yeah. voice acting classes. Just cl- everyone who's listening, sit down, lay down, close your eyes, go to your happy place. Just breathe in and breathe out. Pretty good. <laughs> so now that everyone's asleep, and now welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: We got my new microphone. Yep, set.
0: peaked both of those. They're shot. You didn't even let me say what stupid witty name I came up with this episode. You spent two months on it, so I did. Be good. And the best thing I got <laughs> was X M and ambassadors. Whoa, daddy! <laughs> I could do team team one pilots or twenty Impala, but I think X M and ambassadors is probably the best we're going to get for a title. What about the X-Rapio God, X-God 20 Pilots Tamed Ambassadors 1? Question 1. What there was nothing about the first song or the fourth song. L oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> 1. 1. Alright. 1. Yeah, we just call it 1. Just call it 1. Well, and they do that thing where it's the I don't know the, the word for it, but it's the O with, like, the slash through it. Oh, yeah. They do that? Yeah. They got that for me, man. I've been doing that for years. They definitely have That's true. For me. Your Facebook name is... Yep. <laughs> That's right. 21 Pilots owes <laughs> yeah. Dominic some royalties. <laughs> it's just 21 Pilots. That's what I've been going by. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> for years, I've been known as 21 Pilots <laughs> on Facebook man okay so. Dude, so what the hell's been going on with this podcast two months <laughs> i don't know oh, i've been away so i assume nothing no we. i've literally <laughs> been sitting at this table waiting for you to Later. come back <laughs> this is the first time i have breathed in two months nice you look pretty good for no breathing but. yeah well i'm very disciplined yeah <laughs> i like that man well uh we, we took an adventure without dominic and Took a gamble and it failed. Per Podcast usual, went to shit. Yep. you go John, me. Chance, you ruined everything. Yeah. I like to cultivate uh, relationships of total dependence. So when I leave, no matter how much they want me to leave, everything falls to pieces. Yeah, that's I, what I, I pride mean. In. I lost everything. <laughs> John and Chance, you're both dead to me. Nice. I, <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Burn those bridges. <laughs> Burn, Burn them down. Burn them down. What? Yeah. So now we're we're back, and actually before that, you weren't. The episode we did was a news episode, and then before that, I was on vacation. So it's been a long time so since we talked. Since lock. we've talked about oh, music, I've been studying up, counterpoint, motives. I can go deep into music now, Jared. So I'm gonna dig. <laughs> I'm gonna dig real deep. So you better buckle up. What's what's your favorite kind of note? Like a quarter note, or the ones half? with the little beat you know, bees by them. That's good. You have been steady. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm you not kidding You have around. been studying. <laughs> I'm not kidding around. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 21.5 slash A.K.A. 1. For the 21 pilots. Which, Whoa, Jared. yeah, oh, mind's cool. being blown, which is our third volume of the listener-generated playlist, songs chosen by you for us to talk about. You picked it. We played it. Well, we're gonna play us Not talking really, about yeah. it for legal reasons, minus the playing part. You picked it, we played it, minus the play. You did it all. It's all on you. All on me. All right, let's let's take Dominic to a place that he hasn't been to in a very long time. Church. Yeah. <laughs> also known as the ICP News Corner. Yeah. The Church of Fago. All hail. Oh, wait, sorry, Jerry, I'm sorry, I'm getting out a phone call. <laughs> oh, yeah, answer it. Go for it. <laughs> I keep getting this phone call. You don't care. Come on. Tell, tell the audience I keep it. getting this phone call from an unavailable number. It's freaking me out. You haven't picked it up yet? No. They've called every day for well, like the f- four days the straight. The fact that it's freaking out is on you then because you haven't faced it head I on. Should, yeah, I should be more zen about this whole thing. right? Yeah, you should break your phone next <laughs> time. <laughs> 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 Throw it into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> the next time they call, <laughs> drive in, hop in your car, drive four or five hours Pacific to the Pacific, actually. I oh, okay. Real good. Okay. um, <laughs> So, like, 30-something hours probably then? Yeah, 30-something. I don't even know how long it would take to drive. At least, I bet at least 35, 40 hours. It's like 16 to get to Minnesota from here. It's like 30 to get to Montana. So it's probably okay, like, so it's probably like... Almost three or four days worth of driving. Sign me up. (laughs) I'll see you later, Jared. (laughs) Another two-month break with no (laughs) Dominic. All right, so ICP News Corner. Next September, as in September 2017, the Million Juggalo March will descend upon Washington, D.C. Nice. I, I believe you sent me this article. I think so. I think so. Or you told me about it at least. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a little backstory and actually a little correction from something very long time ago that I said. I believe it was episode 9 with John Miller. I stated that the Insane Clown Posse had filed a petition to have Juggalos removed from the FBI list of recognized gangs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I told you guys, the listener, that the appeal went through and they were removed. Yeah, that's what I thought, Jared. That is not the case. Jeez. It is still waiting to be heard from. Ah. So, timeline. In 2011, the FBI formally classified Juggalos as a recognized gang. <laughs> Cut to 2014, Insane Clown Posse filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Justice in hopes of overturning this designation. Now, they are still waiting to hear back from the ruling on this appeal. Mm-hmm. And in order to help expedite the process, they are going to do a million juggalo march on Washington, D.C. Nice. Intimidate the jury, yes. probably. That's a, That works sometimes. <laughs> that work. <laughs> now, I, I don't... Well, okay, so it, it's not for like over a year from now. Oh, it it's is, not this September. Yeah, it's 2017. Mixed? Wow. The weekend of September 17th. Wow. So uh, here is violent J in his message. In 2017, the weekend of September 17th, we need you. We're going to do a fucking march on Washington. They call the Juggalo world a movement, right? Well, let's move. We're going to explain to the world who the fuck we really are. Whoa. Now, it's scheduled for September 16th, 2017. And I I think the Insane Clown Posse know the, the physical state and nature of their followers. Yeah. Because the march isn't that... Long. It begins at the Lincoln Memorial and ends at the Washington Monument. Oh really? That which was, is which yeah, wow. is I don't think it's even like a mile wow. walk. You know, way back in the day. The re- the first march on Washington, they actually fucking marched miles and miles to Washington. I know from like it was from like out of yeah. state, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was Coxie's yeah. army or whatever the hell. This is weak. This is yeah. weak. And then a million jugglers are going to hang around the Washington Monument and <laughs> probably get tear gassed probably <laughs> yeah. at some point. We should go undercover. Just That's, wear I was paint. saying, I think we owe it to yeah. our audience, yeah. at least to make up for my misinformation that I laid upon them. We should go cover it live. Yeah. Should we wear the face paint so we can get in there? We have a year to figure out yeah. if we're going to do that or not. I have a terrible fear of dying with face paint on, though. That I don't think I can do it. <laughs> this is an ho- existential horror to die with face paint. I pain. mean, you could just... <laughs> Here, we'll go there, yeah. and then right before I put my face paint on, you can just kill yourself. Okay. And then you'll die without face paint on, and you can rest in peace. You know, life seemed complicated until you <laughs> mentioned that idea. Now yeah, It's pretty simple. Sign me <laughs> hey, up. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, all you East Coast juggalos, uh, if you want to... September 16th, meet at the Lincoln Memorial and I, wear your jogging shoes. Cause you gotta, you gotta, you got I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> All right. Let's wander over to our other favorite corner, Kanye news corner. Yeezy. Now, since it's been a while since we recorded some, some stuff has gone down with Kanye. Some of it's probably a bit old, but I feel like we need to talk about it. Let's, uh, Let's talk about Kanye versus Taylor Swift, round three. Fight. Kim Kardashian West finally released the alleged footage she said she had of Taylor Swift giving Kanye permission to use the infamous I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex line in Kanye's track, Famous. Mm Mm-hmm. In the video, you can see Kanye on the phone, Rick Rubin is sitting in the background, Taylor is on the phone and he is saying the line to Taylor and asking her what she thinks about it. After being asked, she says, I think this is a really cool thing to have. I mean, what's dope about the line is it's very tongue-in-cheek either way. And I really appreciate you telling me about it. That's really nice. And then they kind of go back and forth and talk about how nice it is that he did this for her. I don't think she understands tongue-in-cheek. T- tongue-in-cheek, that means, like, subtlety. This is, like, tongue, like, sh- I feel like sticking me out of the mouth, like, sex. <laughs> It's not tongue-in-cheek. No. And so then, of course, after "Famous" was initially released, Swift's spokesperson stated that Swift was never contacted by West for her approval, and that she, in fact, cautioned him about releasing a song with such strong misogynistic messages. Mm-hmm. Which, in itself, is contradictory because she claims she was never contacted about it, yet she also says she warned him not to release it. See, she twisted. I, she like she twisted it by complaining only about. The bitch part that isn't on the yeah. recording, which is a little ridiculous, because if you're fine with him saying we might have sex, and bitch is gin—I mean, it's hit it's every now—it's na- occasionally used. In fact, most, many times used in rap is like a positive. Which is actually what Kanye initially said—is yeah. like it's a term of endearment in yeah. rap music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right after this footage was leaked. Like Dominic just said, Taylor took to her Instagram to respond to the video footage, posting a screenshot of a note she typed up saying, (laughs) Where in the video is Kanye telling me he was going to call me that bitch in his song? It doesn't exist because it never happened. You don't get to control someone else's emotional response to be calling called that bitch in front of the entire world of course i wanted to like the song i wanted us to have a friendly friendly relationship he promised to play the song for me but he never did while i wanted to be supportive of kanye on the phone you cannot approve a song you haven't heard being falsely painted as a liar when i was never given the full story or played any part of the song is character assassination I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative, one that I have never asked to be part of since 2009." And the she posted the picture and the Instagram caption for it was that moment when Kanye West secretly records your phone call, then Kim posts it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Swift's lawyers threatened Kanye's legal team with legal action for secretly recording the phone conversation. I guess, they were asserting that it is a felony in the state of California to record a telephone call without telling the other party. Yeah, yep. But they were forced to drop the potential lawsuit because if you watch the full video recording, you can hear Rick Rubin and Taylor interacting with each other over the phone. And the fact that Rick Rubin was an observer to the conversation means that it was not a private conversation and therefore does not... It's not classified as confidential communication, so the law cannot protect her Classic move. Get Rick Rubin to it's stand all, in the back and she say got hello. She got Rubin. She got she Rubin. Rubin. She got Rick Rubin. <laughs> nice. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I guess to tie it all up. Is it bad? I feel, of everyone, I just feel bad for Rick Rubin. He just looked like an old little fart sitting there. <laughs> and now his name is pulled in. Poor Rick Rubin. Yeah, poor... What about the narrative? Poor, he didn't ask to this narrative. Poor multi-millionaire <laughs> Rick Rubin. <laughs> He'll never be asked to eavesdrop on a conversation again. <laughs> they slandered his eavesdropping yeah. credibility. Come on. And uh, from all of this, basically, most of the internet just believes that since the beginning, this has all just been a conspiracy to boost the PR for both Kanye and Taylor. <laughs> Taylor... It's probably, it's been rumored that she has an album dropping this fall, and now she's relevant again in the news, and Mm. her Illuminati bullshit, whatever. Anyway, the internet hates Taylor Swift now, and they're begrudgingly being like, wow, Kanye was right. I enjoyed it. I will admit, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Anytime celebrities make fun of celebrities. It's nice. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Uh, do, Do you have any other thoughts on this bullshit. <sighs> man. It's been so overdone. I feel like people that were diehard Taylor Swift fans, they're not going to change. And people that were Kanye West fans just like him more now. It's a very Kanye thing to do. <laughs> so uh, it's all just a parade. But I... man. Eh, Meh. Eh. Okay, other Kanye news. He has released his second video, music video for The Life of Pablo. He did one for oh, I didn't see it. Wolves. Wolves. Uh, the video includes appearances by Vic Mensa and Sia, who are featured in the song, as well as Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, Cindy Crawford, Jordan Dunn, Joan Smalls, and many, many others. Naked George W. Bush? Sadly, he, uh, did, he did not. Come on. Uh, the video was a partnership with Balmain, which I guess is a French fashion house. I didn't know that. Huh. And it's actually, as well as a music video, part of their 2016 ad campaign it's there's many models wearing fashionable clothing in it. It, it it's a weird video it's all in black and white and there's everyone's walking around and crying and damn everything like they keep doing close-ups of kim's face and all these hands are like grabbing and pulling it's kind of grotesque almost huh. I, should I check it out a lot better than the famous music yeah, video yeah a little more thought went into it it's <laughs> very nicely shot yeah, first of all nice. like the more beautifully beautifully shot nice 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 it's a, kind of a dumb premise but uh, it's nicely shot you yeah, should check it out i'll link it on our website i've never seen the website I'll have to look. It. yeah well you should uh, <laughs> go online to google.com and look up what websites are first okay oh, what is this what are you talking about? computers <laughs> what Maybe you should just, instead of waiting till 2017, just kill yourself now. <laughs> Do it right now. Did you hear that, Mom? Podcast Did you hear history. that, Mom? You hear what kind of friends I got over here? Friends, in air quotes. Jeez. She's going to yank you back to North Dakota. Yeah, you're on Dee Dee's list, my friend. My, you're on her list. She blogged about me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You heard that. <laughs> <laughs> she blocked you on Facebook. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. You'd never know, man. It's the DD way. It's the DD way. So Kanye has confirmed his intentions to run for president in 2020. It, recently in an interview, he stated, I think it was with the BBC, quote, We are dumb. We are numb to 500 kids getting killed in Chicago a year. We are numb to the fact that it was... Seven police shootings in the beginning of July We're numb to places on earth That we don't live Like our life is okay But it's okay for other people's lives to not be okay When I talk about the idea of being president I'm not saying I have any political views I don't have (laughs) any views On politics I just have a view on humanity On people On the truth If there is anything I can do with my time and my day To somehow make a difference while I'm alive I'm gonna try to do it Wow, I feel like Donald Trump played a role in inspiring him. Like anything's possible, yeah. that kind of deal. It's true. Anything is anything's possible, possible. <laughs> now. <It> fucking age. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> All right, let's let's open up the next chapter of the Skrillic saga. What? So, do you do you know who Harambe is? No, I don't think so the gorilla that was shot Oh yeah, sure So, I don't know if you're familiar but he's become a meme Like, the biggest internet meme ever Like, everyone's talking about him There's this whole hashtag Dicks out for Harambe Like, it's all these fucking neck-bearded 4chan users that are promising that they'll never masturbate again until justice has been sought for Harambe (laughs) Dicks out for Harambe Anyway, recently Shkreli jokingly said on twitter that he was the one that pulled the trigger on harambe and now he feels bad about it and he's his entire twitter feed is dedicated to harambe now and how yeah Uh. he's changed his name to shkarambe and his twitter profile picture is like an anamorph picture of a gorilla's face turning into his face and he's talking about starting a kickstarter to raise money to get the zoo to turn over Harambe's corpse so they can extract (laughs) DNA from it and clone him and then put clones of Shkreli's brain in the Shkarambe and then make like an army of Shkreli's minded (laughs) Harambe Harambe. body apes (laughs) Wow. and like it's just tweet after tweet like he's really committing to this wow I kind of dig it. I might be able to throw a couple of dollars at him. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> Grambe. Well, hold on to that money because he's actually given us an update on his mixtape. Oh, shit. <laughs> he has officially announced the track list for it and says it will be released, quote, soon, unquote. <laughs> Claiming that it features beats from Scott Storch, Just Blaze, and Timbaland. What? Yeah. Really? Wow. The tracks are as follow: Track one, cease and desist. Track two, what dat mouth do? Track three, I ain't didn't do nothing. Track four, body bags. Track five, the dream. Track 6, Scott Stretch Beat Untitled. Track 7, Just Blaze Beat Untitled. Track 8, Ghostbusters. Track 9, Limb- uh, Timbaland Beat Untitled. Track 10, Let's Get This Money. And track 11, Champion, Parenthesis, MMA and Everything Else, Parenthesis. And allegedly, the track 8, Ghostbusters is a Ghostface killer diss track. Wow. Which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually kind of hope this comes out. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I no, kind of really know. hope this comes <laughs> out. <laughs> we'll have to review it. Oh, yeah. Well, a whole episode. To, yeah, we got to review Two it. Two episodes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One for each song, <laughs> yeah. man. A year. 11 episodes. It's been a year. A year on Skrillers. <laughs> <on Shirelix. laughs> All right. You have anything for the Wing Hut? Because I have a little something. If Oh, you really? No, I have been very gladly taking that That's how I got to my little Zen place. Just total, totally ignoring. You took the trash avoiding, out. Yeah, you took the trash out. Well said. Did not recycle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I have not been following, sir. Sir. Paul McTrashbag. Nope. Sir. Nope. <laughs> so, uh, this isn't Wings related, but Paul McCartney is in the story. Ooh. A long-lost Beatles recording was discovered in a brown paper envelope 52 years after it was recorded. Uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon penned the song It's For You for their close friend and confidant Cecilia Black in 1964. Hmm. And McCartney tracked his own demo of the song and sent it to Black for reference while she recorded her version. And up until now, this demo, which was known of and sought was forever considered to be lost until uh, the Black's family found a brown paper envelope in her estate wow. belongings, opened wow. it up, and discovered a seven-inch Dick James demo disc featuring McCartney's vocals. Wow! Did, can you hear it? Did you hear? It? There's like no rip of the audio, yeah. but it is up for auction, and wow. it's expected to fetch anywhere between fifteen thousand to twenty thousand pounds. Wow! Wow! Yep. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-yard stick, man. That trash vinyl. <laughs> that trash man. trash final Come on. So let's, let's go to the music news. Have you been keeping up with your homeboy father, John Misty, at all uh, in the recent couple weeks? A little bit. Like Do you hear he, about his meltdown? Yeah, he had like a hipster moralizing meltdown, and I was like, yeah, this guy's kind of annoying. <laughs> so, Father John Misty recently played at the WXPN's Exponential Music Festival, and by played it, I mean he played two songs that weren't even his songs, and yeah. then lectured the audience about evil, and then walked off stage. Yeah. He spoke about the numbing role entertainment plays in people's lives, and it. The stupidity just fucking runs the world. And he also kept talking about this battleship that was in the port near the stage. Yeah. I don't blame him because this was like one of the many like peak Trump disaster areas. And I think he was like really depressed about it. It was either right before, during or after the RNC. It was right after. Yeah. So I can kind of see it. His big problem was assuming any of us gave a shit what he thinks about any of this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> not give a shit. <laughs> one, of the, one of the quotes from it, he, during his lecture, he said, I always thought that it was going to look way more sophisticated than this when evil happened, when the collective consciousness was so numb and so fucking sated and so gorged on entertainment. How entertaining should this be right now, with the fucking battleship in the background, and this shit on TV? How fucking fun should this be? How fucking fun can it be? Can it be real in any sense? Like, I cannot play board in the USA for you right now. No, 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 no. Because guess what? I soft it into existence by going, No, no, no. Look over here. It'll never actually be that bad because we're too smart. And what were we? And while we were looking that direction, stupidity just fucking runs the world because entertainment is stupid. Do you guys realize that? And that killed me because that song Border in the USA" was like I think the best song he ever wrote. Yeah, and I I kind of see where he's critiquing the song wrongly for assuming that it like necessarily affirms a kind of like laissez faire postmodern nonchalant attitude that's just him his personality so he should be self-loathing that's fine but yeah. not to the fans and no. not to that song either yeah that irritated me a lot yeah i almost wanted to write him an email and be like don't make fun of the one the one really good, good song you wrote yeah that song was fantastic yeah, yeah and then Supposedly, after this rant, he did a 10-minute improvised piece in which he was talking about Trump and current events. Yeah. And then he did a cover of Leonard Cohen's "Bird on a Wire." Of course he did. The the crowd cheered for him, and he said, "No, no, no, don't cheer for that. Maybe just take a moment to be really fucking profoundly sad. It's a lot less sexy of a festival look." And then he told the stage he loved the crowd. He loved him and walked, walked off. Cool dude. And then the very next day. He was at another festival, the Newport Folk Festival, and he revealed to the audience right before playing Board in the USA that he recently turned down a quarter of a million dollar offer from Chipotle to cover the Backstreet Boys song, I Want It That Way. (laughs) He said, yep, that's my life. I was like, cool, so then I can just buy like two Cadillacs and just crash them together. I don't want your fucking burrito money. (laughs) so stupid and Go perhaps ahead. incidentally perhaps with full awareness alabama shakes were to were the next day's headliner and i don't know if he knew it or not but the front woman of alabama shakes Brittany howard teamed up with my morning jackets jim james to do that very same cover that he turned down so there's a good chance that wow. she heard him say this wow wait Wait, wait, they just performed it at the concert? Or no, they no, actually so, are contracted to yeah, do it for so Chipotle? Yeah, so after wow. Father John said no to the commercial, the Alabama Shapes and My morning Jacket guy teamed up and did the commercial. Wow. <laughs> wow, I thought he was bullshitting that the commercial even nope, was real. Nope, it him. happened. Wow. It happened. Wow. I think, I think Father John Misty, he's just suffering from overexposure i think my understanding is that people that like celebrities that try i'll give taylor swift one thing she's a hundred percent aware that it's all artifice it's all fake it's all just like smoke and mirrors but artists that like try really hard to be genuine and that get overexposed they like kind of burn out i think sure i think so because like yeah because he did get really big this last year especially you were telling me he's been like he's been making music for years 15 years now I think As under yeah. different names yeah. and then all of a yep. sudden like Pitchfork writes about every little fucking thing exactly. he does and says yep. I don't know this part maybe you can edit out because it's just me kind of fan being a fanboy but Destroyer is a band that is basically just Dan Behar and he's like the shadow of Father John Misty to me He's like a singer-songwriter. Had been doing it for a long time. Similar, like you know, undergrad English major in literature, lyrics, you know, like ooh artsy. And then he had a huge album in 2011, and he got a ton of exposure. Poison season? No, a or... kaput. Okay. Kaput was his huge album, and he like said he went to Coachella, and he like did a good, really good set there. But he was, he like realized that like, if he he could, he, there are two paths. He could become way more like just reclusive and like keep his sandy or he could become he could, just a total like burnt out phony and he just said i'm gonna be really reclusive and i feel like father john misty he just Went overexposed, uh, kind of he just overexposed himself and now he just kind of sounds like an asshole and i can feel bad for him whereas dan behar is like s- still in that perfect like just hipster you know what I mean? He's like the lower yeah. middle class musician, but he's like really happy when he talks and doesn't sound like a dick. And... Well, I'm still team Father John Misty just because he did a cover of Nine Inch Nails is closer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once the right. story does Nine Inch Nails, I'll switch teams. Okay, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send him an email okay. on your behalf. I yeah. know you two are close. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I don't know. I feel bad for Father John Misty a little bit. You got to feel bad for him, but also like for someone who is intellectual as him, he's got to know what the like yeah it's he knows what he's doing yeah and, and like <laughs> he sounds like an asshole i gotta well, like, I mean, he sounds and, like an asshole and like his twitter presence like he's arguing like i can't remember oh shit i want to say like some i think a member of like portishead or wilco or something like tweeted at him like you should have taken the money <laughs> and like it turned <laughs> into like this like Huge shit. 100 tweet long back and forth standing up for, like, how authenticity and artistic merit and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, dude, you should have just ignored that tweet and just yeah. kept on going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's – I'd say the last, like, six months he's been doing, like – like, he was in England and he did a radio show that went, like, really bad. He, like, got really mad at the guy. And it was, like, kind of like – you know, paparazzi news in England for a while, and Pitchfork wrote about it. He just seems like he's—he was forced to take himself way too seriously, and he bought into his own hype, and sure. now he just kind of sounds like an asshole. But I feel bad for him because he's not. But yeah, it's kind of <laughs> thrust upon. Yeah, he just was forced to buy into his own hype. Right. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's not that entertainment is—is is making us dumb. It's just entertainment. Is like one percent of people's lives, and yeah. you're the one percent. You're the one. You're not that important to us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You get paid disproportionately for how much we actually yeah. care. All right, let's stop lamenting, Father John Misty. Uh, sorry, no. sorry, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> so, Jack White has officially played the very first vinyl record in outer space. Really, he did that? Yep. Using a space-proof turntable attached to a high-altitude balloon, White launched a gold-plated 12-inch master of, of course, Carl Sagan's glorious dawn into the outer limits of Earth. Uh, The vessel, which is known as the Icarus craft, was designed by a former NASA member, Kevin Carrico, and it ascended 94,413 feet above the Earth in under 90 minutes. Wow. Shit! I hit the <laughs> microphone, and <laughs> gotcha, yeah. then, and then it played, and wow. I'll, I'll post it online. There's a they made a little documentary all about it. And wow! He played the first vinyl in space. Is there like a slow pan close up to Jack White's face and the tear goes? rolls down yeah and then they zoom in the tear and then carl sagan's <laughs> face is in the tear and then he's crying oh my god and then they zoom in on his tear and it's that native american who cries With because the, the garbage is on Ooh, the side of the wow. road that's powerful it goes it's like it's like inception dude. that's what i always imagine would happen when the first record was played in space <laughs> so i'm glad to hear how it's i'm glad up. it happened exactly <laughs> yeah. how i imagined that's it. perfect perfect all right, uh, let's see though. The Muppets band, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, played their first ever live <laughs> show in San Francisco's Outside the wow. Lands Festival. I would go, I would pay to see this. I, I guess guess, what It's so like, dumb. The I crowd see it. lost their shit. <laughs> they played a 25 minute long set, played music by the Mowgli's, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, the band, and the Beatles. Wow with lots like. of in-between stage banter to give the puppeteers a break cuz I wow. can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I I, mean, w- I would honestly pay to see this. It's so dumb I want to see it. I'm kind of guessing <laughs> due to the internet's like reaction, like I wouldn't be surprised if like a tour were yeah. to I hope happen. So. In the honestly, near future. I would go see it. I mean, I, the monkeys I up Okay. I, grew up I wasn't going to bring this up in music news, but <laughs> speaking of dumb tours that are about to happen, <laughs> Did you hear that a Ronnie James Dio hologram just played its first show with Black Sabbath? Really? It will be touring the world in the next upcoming year. Of all the hologram tours around. I can't James that is it. the least metal thing <laughs> oh, I've wow. ever heard of in my <laughs> yeah. life. Like Ronnie James Dio hologram. is like rolling over in his fucking grave right now. Wow. Hologram Ronnie James Dio. Is God that damn. the onion or that's real? It is. That's real. It is wow. so real. I wasn't going to bring it up. Wow. But... God damn. The Muppets is more metal yeah. than the Hologram. That is Muppets. The Muppets covering <laughs> Edward Sharp and the Manic Zero song Home is way more metal, metal than a Ronnie James Dio hologram. <laughs> that should be the name of the episode. God damn it. That should yeah. be the name yeah. of the episode. There we go. <laughs> New name. <laughs> Okay, so last, oh, wow. last music news story since it's is going on a little long. Uh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart will be hosting their own cooking show together. <laughs> it will be called Martha and Snoop's Dinner Party. Nice. And supposedly it is going to be a night of cooking and celebrity dinner. So it's like they get a bunch of celebrities to have a dinner party together, and Snoop oh, and Martha oh. prepare the dishes for it wait is it a one-off or it's no like this a will series. be like a wow. reoccurring wow show i'm I, wow. not sure i can't remember what network it's going to be on uh, snoop said my homegirl martha and i have a special bond that goes back which is true he's actually been a reoccurring guest on her show oh really yeah okay wow. uh, we're going to be cooking drinking and having a good time with our exclusive friends can't wait to see how we roll together and Martha said, at our dinner party, we will exemplify America's fascination with food, entertaining, and celebrity. She also mentioned that the show will redesign the traditional food competition show in a new, different, and very funny way. So that I wonder, when she says competition, I wonder if they're going to make like the celebrities have cook-offs or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's huh. probably going to be funny. Between the two of them, they could get decent celebrities yeah. on, I feel oh, like. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. wow so listen anything good lately
1: <sighs> no okay let's nope. move.
0: on. <sighs> fuck music okay. dude lately i've just been thinking what's the point you know you hear these songs you hear these these sounds and we are supposed to think they're good how about we just take a moment to be profoundly sad just be really fucking sad for a while oh wait I'm it's sorry. less that's sexy that <laughs> sorry your beard just started growing <laughs> when you were saying. Sorry, that. every now and then I just start repeating Father John Misty rants. It's my mistake. Sorry. <laughs> it's a weird form of Tourette's. Yeah, it's a really weird. Ooh, damn it. My bad. It's a white. It's a it's a young white male problem <laughs> in particular. Oh, that Ooh. must be really hard for you. Yeah, it's it's a real plight. It's hmm. very ignored. <laughs> All right, so what have you listened to lately? Uh, I actually didn't prepare anything, but wait, I've been listening to a ton of stuff. Uh have I mentioned Can on the podcast before? Yes you did. <laughs> Actually the last episode you were on. Oops, can was your recommendation. That's still the number. We one. posted vitamin C by Can on the podcast. I'll say, say William Ian Craig, his album. That I recommended to you too. Is it called Yeah, c- the the centers? Wait, is that what it's called? Fuck. Oh shit. I can't remember now either. No, no that is a great album. Yeah, I like yeah, because it's all about everything comes to, like, the center, I thought. Yep. It was... You know, I've been listening to it a bunch, and f- maybe it's stupid to compare it, but, like, James Blake had an album. I can definitely... Like, James Blake's first album, yeah. especially. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The experimentation. Yeah, I think they're they're similar, yeah. and I like this album more than James Blake's latest release. I don't know why. I try to keep listening to that album, and I can't get into eh, it. It's It's so all over the place. And the lyrics are... Someone pointed out that they thought the lyrics were kinda hokey and I now I can't get it out of my head that some of the lyrics are like there's a couple good tracks. like I really like the one with Bonybare that I need to force Yeah, That fart. is a good That's one. That's a good track. Yeah, that is a good one. But the album as a whole was It's too long, maybe. It's too know. long and it's just so it's so all over the place. And like like you said, the, the hokey lyrics, like his I don't know, like it was novel at one point in time, like yeah. going back to his first album, which was great. He had, yeah, he had that one song great. where he just like literally repeats the line like, uh, like me and my sister don't talk anymore or whatever, yep. just over and over again. Yeah, and it kind of has that like, Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. Effect yeah, exactly. Where he just it you meaning with it. something else. Well, yeah, and I feel like the novelty of that yeah. is worn off and he keeps trying to do that now yeah. and it's like okay you just picked like a random fucking sentence and you just no say it over and over again no longer yeah. no longer no longer it's like, yeah I don't but William Ian Craig's album that's one that's a headphone album it's beautiful it's really good and, it is yeah, and it, it's like he's such a good singer yeah too. he's a really good oh well, he's yeah, an opera, he, he's yeah, an opera a, singer yeah he's trained in opera yeah that's good. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. What about you? So I don't know if I'd recommend this to the listeners, but if you're if you're like, man, I want to hear something that I've never heard before <laughs> and will never hear again. Oh boy, have I have an album for you. <laughs> it is the album's called Hallelujah and the guy's name is Igor. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah you I G O R R R. Yeah. He is a uh, french musician <laughs> and the, the the way it was described to me and then upon listening to it it's the only way i could describe it if you took aphex twin and you made him perform a mixture of baroque chamber music mixed with black metal music yeah that is what this is <laughs> it is the most genre hopping all over the place schizophrenic thing I've ever heard before. Yeah. There's some of the most beautiful classical music mixed with some of the most, like, densely evil-sounding, shrieking (laughs) black metal I've ever heard. Nice. All topped with, like, really eclectic drum and bass, AFX-twin-esque electronic beats. Nice. It's the weirdest thing. (laughs) It doesn't always work, but it is one of the most interesting things that I've ever listened to in my life. Yeah, you sent me the link to it, but I forgot. Yeah. It got lost in the feed. Yeah. I gotta listen to that. It's, yeah, I gotta listen to that. It's crazy. Nice. It's crazy. Nice. nice. Igor' album is Hallelujah. 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 Nice. Okay. He has a couple other things on Spotify, but start with Hallelujah. Nice. That's yeah, like yeah, his yeah. crown jewel. <laughs> nice. All right, let's talk about our first track, El Tango de Roxanne, mm-hmm. uh, performed by Jose Feliciano, Ewan McGregor, and... Jack Coleman. How are you pronounced? J A C E K.
1: Jack
0: Heck. With a lot of.
1: <laughs> chutzpah. <idea>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this track was submitted to us by uh, my good friend John Miller, friend John of the podcast. John Miller. Host of the Game Cave podcast. The Game Cave. And he was on this podcast two episodes ago. Shuffle. down so, um,
1: <laughs> Dominic,
0: the man. Wow. All right, I'm just seeing. So uh, testing my skills. <laughs> I I'm starting to regret sending you to that vocal coach now. <laughs> regret. I can't turn it up. <laughs> regret. <laughs> yeah, regret. I have a problem. <laughs> Call my parents and get out. My wife left <laughs> me. <laughs> I haven't been sober in a month. <laughs> Where am I? This is a cry for help (laughs) Why are you laughing? I can only cry like this (laughs) (laughs) Oh god Okay so this is off No no more jokes now Everyone Now sit down Buckle up Here we come. This is off the 2001 album Moulin Rouge Music from Baz Luhrmann's film As you might have guessed, this is off the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So this song is a mashup of the 1978 police single Roxanne mixed with Mariano More's tango composition, Tanguera. Uh, The police were an English new wave reggae rock band from London featuring Sting. I'm sure you all know who they are. This is real name too. A lot of people don't know that. Born, birth certificate, S-T-I-N-G period. Stinga. 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 That's a real name. And uh, Mariano Mores was an Argentinian tango composer, pianist, and conductor. Hmm. And if you, I'm sure you've all heard the word tango before, but I was never like really sure exactly what it was. I I, I knew it was a dance style. Sensual. Tango is a style of sensuality. Oh, really? That is no, the no, definition? No, I, I was I like, wow, I was right about something. Never. Never. Wow. Tango is a style of music <laughs> that is either in 2-4 or 4-4 time that originated among European immigrant populations of Argentina and Uruguay. hmm uh, the song is from the 2001 Boz directed Australian-American pseudo-pastiche jukebox musical film. I saw that that appellation, too. What, the, how is it pseudo-pastiche? What's that even mean? I, I love it. I'm, I love that. I have no idea what it means. I don't know what pseudo-pastiche... Yeah, so the Australian-American... My goal is to be pseudo-pastiche. Pastiche. <laughs> See, I, I, I get the Australian-American part. I get the jukebox musical. Same. But... How is it not actually pastiche? And it's not quasi pastiche, meaning it's a little pseudo. That means it's falsely pastiche. What's, what's the straight up definition of pastiche? I think that it just means a bunch of different genres cobbled together into one. So by saying pseudo, it would seem to be implying that it's not it really. It builds itself as being but a it's bunch. Not. But it's not. Because yeah. quasi would have been the right word. I, thought. I saw this too. Yeah. And I looked at it and I was like, do they mean quasi pastiche? But it's pseudo. I love and, um, that. Boz, get back to us. Get back to us, Boz. Uh, the film tells the story of a young Scottish poet-writer portrayed by Ian McGregor who falls in love with an actress-slash-courtesan star of the Moulin Rouge, played by Nicole Kidman. And uh, Moulin Rouge is a famous cabaret in Paris, France, and it's best known as the spiritual birthplace of the modern form of the can-can dance. Hmm, really? Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. At the 74th Academy Awards, the film was nominated for eight Oscars and won two of them, Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design. Uh, Baz Lumerman is an Australian film director, screenwriter, and producer best known for his Red Curtain trilogy, which comprises of the romantic comedy film Strictly Ballroom, the romantic drama Romeo Plus Juliet, and then, of course, this pastiche jukebox musical Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. So the song, El Tango de Roxanne, uh, like I said, it's based, so lyrically, it's based off of a police song, and musically, it's based off of this tango. Uh, uh, Sting wrote this song, and he was inspired by the prostitutes he saw near the band CD Hotel in Paris, France, <laughs> where they were lodging in October of 1977. Yeah. The song's title comes from the name of the character in the play Siriano de Bajorac. I said that wrong. Or is Nah, I don't even Whatever. know. Whatever. Yeah. And he was at this hotel, and he saw a poster for this play hanging on the wall, and it said Roxanne on it. And then he saw the prostitutes, and he was like, boom, I have an idea for a song. Rock saying That's when he picked out the bass for the first time. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Sting had originally conceived the song as a bossa nova, although he craves police. <laughs> really? yeah. yeah. Wow. Though uh, police drummer Stuart Copeland suggested rhythmically making it into a tango, which is what it eventually came to be. That guy is one of the best, most... I would say he's one of the most underrated drummers, but maybe he's very rated out there. I don't know, but that guy, Copeland. I know his name. He's a great drummer. He actually was in a... This is super obscure, but uh, you know Les Claypool. He was in a band called Oysterhead as a drummer I with kn- Les Claypool. I know who Oysterhead yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, the drummer is Copeland. I had no idea. Yep, yep. Holy yep. shit. No joke. The guy from The Police yep. is the drummer of Oysterhead? Yeah. yeah. Oysterhead... Was, like, this obscure <laughs> metal band that me and my old roommate Chris Why? used to yeah, listen to. I'm surprised you even heard of them. That's, like, the most obscure yeah. thing, I huh? No. D- yep. So, my old roommate Chris was, like, a diehard Les Claypool fan. Like, he was, like, even watched that document, that movie he made. <sighs> Hypno- uh, Onion. Something. I thought it was Peaches. Oh, yeah. It's lampooning festivals, yeah. right? Yeah. Electric. Electric peach or something electric electric something something, yeah it's a very funny apricot that's it apricot apricot, yeah Yeah, him and his friends from high school watched that movie and like fell in love and they all of les clay primus and colonel claypool's bucket of barney brains and all of his weird obscure knock like side projects and shit i had no idea that's it the dude from police yeah was in Oysterhead, yeah. that is so fucking crazy. I mean, we should probably double, you'll double check that i right. I'll fact check it. But, but I've lived my whole life listening to them under the impression that that's true. I haven't listened to them in like five years, but it is. That guy's a legend. That guy's a legend. Yeah. If you listen to, he's the only thing that makes police like extremely re-listenable is the drums and percussion. You don't fantastic. think Sting's ability to have tantric sex for eight <laughs> hours that <it> what makes police <laughs> a good band? That's what makes them good to look at. Uh, Let's okay. be clear. On mute.
1: Rock
0: Anyways, I don't know. I think my favorite part of Sting and the Police is his ability to appropriate cultures. Yeah, really. Sorry, we yeah. won't go there. <laughs> okay, so the the scene from this movie is uh the dance troupe is rehearsing a a, a dance scene in the character of the movie, The Narcoleptic Argentinian is singing this rendition of Roxanne in, like, the most gruff, Tom Waits-esque voice. I would say, like, Tom Waits times ten. I don't know how that man's voice sounds like that. Yeah, I don't either. Roxanne. Yep. Like, I can't even do it. It's beyond chalky. So, he's singing this, and the whole time, Ewan McGregor's sadly watching this dance happening and thinking of his love, the love of his life, this... Nicole Kidman character who is sadly with another man and He's singing all sadly and then this man starts beating Nicole Kidman And it's all juxtaposed with these people dancing really aggressively. Okay. I've actually never seen the movie really Yeah, I've never seen the movie so yeah, so it's I felt like I was missing a little bit like this Did you watch the clip on YouTube? Okay, so that's and I'd seen it that. So basically Ewan McGregor is in love with Nicole Kidman, who is the head dancer and courtesan at the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and but she has to be dating this rich guy because she needs the money. So like they're trying to secretly date behind this rich guy's back, but just like the thought of her, of him like touching her is killing Ian Mcgregor. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, the Mr. Brightside song by the Killers. So. Ian McGregor's all sad because he's like, oh, him touching you is killing me. And then the rich guy sees her looking at Ian McGregor and he starts beating her. And then it's all kind of supposed to be metaphored by this aggressive dance that this Argentinian dude is is doing. And that's kind of the setting for the song. So I guess I can't... What did you think of the piece together? Because I feel like the visuals play an important role with the song. What did you think of it? Well, my wife, who shall remain unnamed, she's a big fan of Ewan McGregor. Her name is Sting. Yeah, Sting. I'm married to Sting. (laughs) Also, a totally different person, but actually on the birth certificate. Sting. Period. Nothing. Else. It's weird. Coincidental. But yeah, she's a big fan of Ewan McGregor. And I think a, a big enough fan of this movie that I've actually seen this clip and heard this song like five or six times in my life. So I, I'm familiar with it. I find the guy's voice, the Tom Waitsy guy's voice, irritating. But I think that it works overall the way that it's eventually layered on top of Ewan McGregor's voice and the orchestra and all that that I think it works very well for what I assume is like a high drama part of the movie very yeah so, yeah because yeah, I know the one you know because was Moulin Rouge it was originally a play like musical or or no I I'm actually not sure I don't yeah. I mean even if it was I think Baz Luhrmann like Did his own thing. Yeah, just kind of. Yeah, because it it had the. Because, like, musicals on the stage, they're, like, supposed to be, like, big, exaggerated. And it had that same feeling where it's, like, at a 10 the whole time. You know what I mean? You can't maintain it. Dare he say (laughs) they cranked it up to 11? They cranked it to 11. (laughs) And so you really got to be in the mood for, like, really feeling it. But I think overall. The, the, especially the layering of the vocals and the orchestra, and it's just kind of pulse, pulsing along. It's, it's sure. effective. It's a it's a good song. See, I would say, I think almost kind of the opposite. I love the Argentinian's voice. Yeah, really. Even it's McGregor's just... voice bugs the shit out of really? me. Really? Yeah. Okay, I can he's, see he's that. He's so fucking whiny. Yeah, true. But Why does my heart <laughs> cry? Like, <laughs> like initially when he's kind of quietly singing like his hand upon your face like i like yeah. that part yeah but then he just keeps repeating that line of like why does my heart cry why does my yeah. heart cry and it's like shut the fuck up <laughs> i could see that i could see i that. do like it when it all kind of gets blended together at the end like i love at the end especially like the instrumentation is like doomsday yeah like Dun, yeah. dun 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 Like, yeah. I love it when it's, like, it's so chaotic at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, you like... I it, could see that it's just kind of repetitive It after seems like if you like one of their voices, you're, like, engineered you have to hate the the not, not like the other. Because I heard that guy's voice, I'm like... It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I hear Ewan's, I'm like, okay, that's... But, yeah, I think together... It, they make a lot of, and maybe that, again that's kind of the musical vibe. If you're gonna be rough, really rough, and if you're gonna be sensitive, really sensitive, like you and McGregor, they're both too much, yeah. and then they balance and each it, other it, out. But then I agree, what steals the show is the is the, the ending. Orchestra. Yeah. yeah, and the ending. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's intense. It's it's high drama, but it definitely works. It definitely works. Every, the voices in general, in the video, it's like everyone's like drugged on aphrodisiacs. Everyone's like, ah, wow. yeah. It's which very I found, out, yeah. Which again, it's I'm just like wired to not really enjoy musicals. I think I have a problem. I've never seen oh, a musical no. that I really dug. I, okay, this is something <laughs> I can agree with. Like all throughout high school, I, I was a theater kid. Yeah, I loved being in musicals. Cannot fucking stand watching them. It's the most boring shit (laughs) to me ever. It's just very like I can appreciate them, but I just I do not get enjoyment out of watching them. Like seeing them live is a bit better. Yeah. But watching a movie musical is like the last thing I ever want to do. There's a few like anything that trey parker and matt stone do i will watch yeah yeah Uh, yeah, team america south park they're technically musicals i will watch the shit out of those yeah 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 absolutely but yeah it takes a lot for me to get through a musical otherwise yeah no uh, i'm the same especially talking to people who love people that like musicals like love them love them so deeply And they feel so moved that I feel like I'm like a sociopath when I watch them because I'm like, I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to say it too. People that love musicals make (laughs) me want to hate them even more. I'm saying it. Okay. You know who you you are, people. You said it, not me, but hey. People who, like, really self-identify and, and like, like that makes me want to spite, dislike them almost. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We're we're getting raw and real here. No, no, no. But I I totally... I agree. I agree. Just because... I know those people because I was in theater with those Yeah, you people. were there. You I'm, were I'm the weird it. one. Yeah. Because I like being in musicals. I like singing and dancing and running around stage, but yeah. I don't want to watch it. It's just there's no, – maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe one of our millions of fans out there will write in and say, Dom, you're wrong. But it seems like there's nothing subtle about musicals. It's so Every, like – it just. It beats you over the head. Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> here it is. It's like I get it, you know. I get it. You know? yeah. I I, I want to like listen to like you know Radiohead on headphones in opposition to it. <laughs> just <be> like <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite. Exactly. We just cracked the code. <laughs> the bipolar opposite of a musical is <laughs> Radiohead <laughs> on headphones. On headphones. <laughs> on headphones. Just totally introverted insular. I don't know. So, but this song. I would say even if you don't like musicals, you can definitely appreciate the kind of well, intensity yeah. of the the vocals layered onto each other, the orchestration, a lot of thought went into well, it. Well, and I, I think what Boz is, what makes him so brilliant at what he does is, I think one of the things that gets to me about musicals is like how lyrically, the, like... I hate how in a musical it sounds like someone's just talking, but they're just singing instead of talking. The fact that this whole movie's soundtrack is based off of like 80s love ballads that are being mashed up and (laughs) revamped makes it a lot more interesting, I feel. Because it's it's not them just singing, like, I'm really sad because this person's not with me. They're using the metaphor of the song Roxanne to represent this complex emotion that Ian McGregor's going through. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is. You know, it's not beating you over the head. It's making you think a bit as yeah. a listener and viewer. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of remashing yeah. cultural and musical genres. And I think it's hard for me to, because I would say overall i give this song like a B2B+. plus. I can appreciate it for what it was, but it didn't really hit me in the gut. But I think a problem with that is probably I, with a song like this, I think you really do have to watch the narrative. Because songs in musicals are, like you said, yeah. they're supposed to kind of make you think more deeply in some way about the character and the drama. And I was totally, you know, out of my element. Yeah. So so I think probably maybe I'll have to watch Moulin Rouge one day. I, dare I say. It's, it's worth watching. Yeah. As someone who hates musicals, <laughs> it's, it's worth, worth watching. watching. All right. It's All worth right. watching. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to Rap God. I'm a Rap God, Rap God. Okay, now let's move on to the next song. <laughs> I think that, that that pretty much says it all. Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> all right, Chicago. next song. Okay, goddamn it. He okay. heathen. Next song. Eventually. All right, we're done. Okay. See you. See Thank you guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> what if we really just ended it right there? <laughs> That'd be so would great. Even, how many, we would find out who the real fans We'd are. We'd find the true fans. Okay, uh, second Especially track. Especially on a user yeah, yeah, generated user-generated playlist. user so... generated playlist. Just said fuck you to four people. Rap God by Eminem, which was submitted to us by Anonymous. That's right. The collective hive mind of 4chan submitted <laughs> yeah. this song. No, an anonymous user submitted this track to us. Rap God can be found on the 2013 album The Marshall Mathers LP2. Eminem, who is also known as Marshall Bruce Mathers II, is an American rapper, songwriter, record producer and actor from Detroit, Michigan. Eminem is the best selling artist of the 2000s. Rolling Stone is that right yeah wow, uh, wow. it's crazy. Rolling Stone ranked him 83rd on his on their list of 100 greatest artists of all time, calling him the king of hip-hop, including his work with D12 and Bad Meets Evil, which are two hip-hop groups he's also a part of. Eminem has 10 number one albums on the Billboard 200 and has sold more than 172 million albums, <laughs> wow. making him one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. Wow. Yeah. Eminem began rapping at the age of 14 under the name M and M, Mm -hmm. and then eventually spelled it out into the Eminem we know and love. And I... Look, I I could go on forever about Eminem. Like, you go on his Wikipedia article, and it is a fucking tome of information. Yeah. Basically, he grew up in a really rough part of Detroit. His mom was mean to him. His dad walked out on him. He got beat up by, as Wikipedia put it, quote, black youths a lot. Yeah. And he started (laughs) rapping. And eventually, Dr. Dre noticed him, gave him a shot, and now he's the shit. That's pretty much... Yeah. Watch the movie 8 Mile. Yeah. That'll tell you a lot about him. It's actually a pretty decent movie. It, it is a pretty good movie, yeah. and he's actually not that bad of an actor. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. He plays it perfectly. He, de- yeah. He like, plays the kind of shy guy. No, I, I don't think he could ever play a different role. And he's wisely chosen to never yeah. act again, right? Like, he can get a little goofy in his music videos. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like, that was the perfect role for him in 8 Mile. Yep, Yeah. So Fucking Eminem, man. Yeah, there's... I mean, we all know Eminem. He's First rap artist I ever really got into. The same here. I'll admit, like, it. I, yeah, I'll admit it. Before, like, cut... To today, I feel like I have a healthy appreciation for rap and hip-hop. Cut... Go back to sixth grade Jared, who bought the Marshall Mathers LP for his nice. CD Walkman. Nice. And same, like, yeah, yeah, same. Sixth and grade. And it's like... Yeah. I thought... I was like thought i was like given like this really secret thing yeah like, i don't know if secrets don't worked, let but, like, mom and dad hear it well, yeah, for like, real that yeah like track yeah, yeah. kim yeah you literally <laughs> like... like hear him kill her and slit her throat yeah and stuff his wife into the back of a trunk of a car yeah it just like it was so going from like i never listened to like up till sixth grade I, I think like my first CD was Euro Pop by Eiffel 65 <laughs> with the Blue D song i like. Blue Davidee and I had like the Davidee Space Blue, Jam Davidee. soundtrack yeah and then I was finally allowed to get Parental Advisory CDs and then nice. to go go from like not hearing anything explicit to Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP that shit will still like make you feel like you're a it's sinning. disgusting if you listen to it, yeah if you listen to it now it's it still is the wrong. most heathenistic yeah, yeah. really yeah. i <sighs> <Yeah. sighs> Like and I've listened to some pretty fucking dark brutal metal music. Yeah. And that album is like he knows how to be controversial, let's say that much. Yeah, no doubt. So it whether you like him or hate him, you can't deny he is a like he will go down as a cultural icon. Yeah. He is a exactly. phenomenon yeah. to upon society. Yeah. And it's no surprise that he is the best-selling artist of the 2000s because yeah. for a while there, he could he could do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. So this album, the Marshall Mathers LP2, is a sequel to the album that Dominic and I were just talking about. It is the, his eighth album and his seventh to debut upon the Billboard 200. His, his first album was the only one that didn't hit the Billboard charts. And mm-hmm. had... The year's second-largest first-week sales. Wow. The rapper was the first since the Beatles to have four singles in the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 100, which were the first, the, the only four singles released off this album all charted: "Berserk," "Survival," "The Monster," and the song "Rap God." <laughs> Uh, he received the Best Rap Album Award for the Marshall Mathers LP 2 and an award for Best Rap Sung Collaboration with Rihanna at the 57th Grammy Awards. And as um, this title suggests, it is a sequel to the Marshall Mathers LP. It's supposed to be kind of a continuation of the story of the character we were introduced to, though it's supposed to kind of be like documenting him later on in life. His decline in fame, he's older, has children, and him kind of looking back and lamenting on his past ongoings. Yeah. So this track, Rap God, was the third single off the album. The song entered the Guinness World Book of Records as the hit single which contains the most words in it. Really? Yep. It has a total of 1,560 words in it. It took a while to read all the lyrics to this. I I will say, like. Took a while. I'm not trying to knock or. I'm not trying to say this is a good or bad thing. But compared to the other four songs on this playlist, the amount of thought and effort that at least went into this song, especially in today's day and age where, like,. A verse will have two lines, and then you repeat the chorus 500 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whether or not you like Eminem, this guy knows how to craft a, a, a rap song. Yep. He knows no how doubt. to do it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this song contains various references to previous conflicts in Eminem's career, many, as well yeah, as many, many. allusions to other rappers and his own conduct. For example, the, the song references a line from the first Marshall Mathers LP off the song, I'm Back. Yeah. And this is actually a line that at the time... So, it's a, it's a song about the, the Columbine High School Massacre. Yep. He originally included it in his song, I'm Back, and it was taken out by the record company because it was too controversial. And he has now since put it back in the song, saying how now that he's no longer relevant, let's see if anyone cares if I say this. Uh, the line is... Seven kids from Columbine put them all alone. Add an AK-47, a revolver, and nine. He basically just talks about how they got killed. I, I, I don't know. It's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a bit. <laughs> yeah. But the, at the same time, the amount of <laughs> words and lyrics in the song, it just gets kind of lost yeah. in, the, in the sea of the, the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, The infamous verse in this song that begins at 4 minutes and 26 seconds. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He raps 97 words (laughs) in the span of 15 seconds. Yeah. That is an average of 6.5 words per second. Yeah. Which he describes as supersonic speed. Which he didn't speed up no right. He, I assume you can go theory, on yeah. YouTube and see him, see him do him it live. Yeah, I believe it. he can do yeah. it. Yeah. There's there's one thing like back in sixth yeah. grade when I got into Eminem and like I had it playing and my parents hated Eminem, but my dad one day did say he's like, you know what? I know why you you guys like him so much. I can understand what he's saying. He articulates. Yeah. And true. he does. Yeah. You can true. understand every single word. Yeah, that he says. Yep, and Eminem has talked about the lengths at which he goes to, to break down the syllables for every single line he does, so everything yeah. just fits. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, he's a master of his craft. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The song is currently uh, posted on the, the website Genius, Lyric Genius. And Eminem himself has actually verified and annotated a few lines from this song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Damn. So the, the line, because I'm beginning to feel like a rap god, rap god, all my people from the front to back nod, back nod. He said, the hook was the first phrase I thought of when I heard the track. I thought, okay, this has something to it and it might be catchy, but I'm a rap god? Why? If I'm going to say that, I need to validate that. I don't want to say it's the crutch exactly, but the theme of the whole song is this is the only thing I know how to do. I don't know how to do anything else aside from play a little bit of basketball, except if the Lions called me. I'm down to be a receiver or something or a running back. I'd be good for that. (laughs) Uh, The line, kneel before General Zod, the planet's Krypton, no, Asgard, Asgard. So you be Thor and I'll be Odin, you're a rodent, I'm omnipotent. He says, I've always been into comic books, Spider-Man, Hulk, old Batman, Supermans, mostly vintage Marvel shit from before I was born. Just being able to have those pieces of history is crazy. I would not want to face off with somebody comparing comic book knowledge, but I know a pretty good amount. And then the final line that he commented on, which I wish he hadn't, <laughs> was the, uh, the line, Ugh, school flunky, pill junkie, but look at the accolades, the skills brung me. He comments, I don't ever want to be too braggadocious. If I'm going to brag, let me pull it back with lines like school flunky, pill junkie. I'm a fucking waste of life. I'm a waste of sperm. I'm a fucking outcast of society. I'm a piece of shit. But I know how to rap. Other than that, I'm a fucking scumbag. I'm worthless. Or this is what I've been told. Wow. Which... I I would have been fine not without <laughs> having heard you say that. You don't need to know about your self-loathing. Yeah. However fake it may be. Like, what, you're almost <laughs> yeah. 40? Like, just... yeah. yeah. I, I understand life is hard, but just... Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So... What did you think of this track? I am Yeah, I mean beginning to feel like a rap god. I'm I'm a rap <laughs> god, rap no Like Eminem is like ingrained in my head as a cultural icon. So to me it's like Elvis. I don't even if there's an Elvis song I don't really like. It's el, you know, it's, it's Elvis. Elvis. It's yeah. just like So this song has is has some amazing parts to it. This is like, I'm evaluating this song now in like a post-Kendrick Lamar era. And it's it certainly doesn't sound as musically inventive. The beat is, you know, kind of boilerplate stuff. And he, he maybe isn't even as like vocally playful, but he's still probably one of, like you alluded to, one of the most attentive ears to rhyme and like cadence that's out there still and that's yeah. shown in this song like even just the inverse rhyme laptop in my back pocket that's there's i mean just the amount of thought that went into the cadence and inverse rhyme assonance and, and the delivery of and it. the delivery of it is impressive in the slant rhyme that he does and maybe, I don't know how much thought he puts into it, or if he's just a total savant, or it's both. But he, the amount of inverse rhyming and, and kind of intertextuality of the rhyme, and it's extremely impressive. It's extremely impressive. Extremely. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's hard to not be impressed by this song, even if some of it is kind of like silly and content-wise. It's a little bit of an eye roll sometimes because it's so enmeshed in the mythology of Eminem. Like I, I was like, wow, there's a lot of Eminem shit I haven't been keeping up with. Just a ton. But that being said, it's so in, you know, kind of in club, in house, uh, self-referential. But I've listened to this song probably 30 times on my own because it's just a pleasure to listen to. Yeah, because he sounds like so a rap impressive. guy. He yeah. does sound like a he rap. He does. Guy. I mean, he does. He's and it's, it's so impressive. But at the same time, it's like, it's it's like a zero sum in that for every <laughs> step forward of braggadocious he takes, there's a line of self pity and like self deprecation. So yeah. it's yeah. like at the end, he really kind of gets nowhere. Yeah. Besides the fact that his skill literally, like, if you just read the lyrics. You wouldn't think he's a rap god. It's him performing it that convinces you, exactly. okay, this guy is a rap god. Yeah, exactly. And I love that line, like, why be a king when you could be a god? Yeah, like, That nice. was fucking Yeah, yeah, it's a great beautiful. final line, yeah. And uh, the music video for this, it's a pretty good music video. It's cool, it's cool. It, um, yeah, it's a cool video. The video heavily parodies Max Headroom, which I'm not sure everyone is familiar with. He was a BBC character of this plastic fake talking head character mm-hmm. from the the 1980s who glitched a lot and then there's also many references to like the matrix and uh, hellraiser the video game portal super mario brothers the video game pong Tons, yeah <laughs> it, it's it's pretty good music video like it's not like super deep or anything but yeah it's, it's fun to watch yeah at, at least yeah, but I mean I guess yeah, just kind of holy fuck this song. It, it's yeah. it's all over the place, but in the end it's just it's purely impressive. Yeah, by sheer force of will, this song yeah. will impress you. I mean, how many rappers could deliver He delivers this line of the song. Flippity dippity hippity hip, rapidity rap, backpack rap crap. Yap yap yakity yak. Don't talk back. That sounds really dumb, but he under anyone else, it would be a total failure. But due to his sense of cadence, his ir- irony and sense of humor, and his incredibly aggressive speed, he pulls it off. And it just seems like one of a million carnival attractions in the song. He's just just sheer force away. Yeah. Just What I think really kind of like cements his godly status is like he'll drop something super impressive on you. And while you're still, like, busy, like, being in awe about it, he's already moved on to yeah, the next exactly. thing. exactly. Like, he just yeah, keeps just going and going and going and going. Yeah, yeah. He, and that, he doesn't have time to be like, look how awesome this thing I just did because yeah. I have to say this next line. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that third verse where, like, the lyrics are, like, it's just, like, an elemental force of words. Like, Grr. 97 in 15 seconds, you said? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> 97 words in a 15-second yeah, period It's just time. And you know what? I will say that Kendrick Lamar, one thing I think I remember you and I both saying we were impressed about in his latest album, To Pimp a Butterfly, was, was the range of inflection and voices he would do. And Eminem... He maybe doesn't do quite as many as Kendrick Lamar does now, but he does but voices. He does a yeah. lot, and I would say he was doing w- his range of inflection was way ahead of its time because he's been doing that from the beginning. Oh Just yeah, he's been like doing a, voices from yeah. the beginning. Like yeah. he, he really knew his, like he knew like his angry like yep. rap, but then there's like that part where he's like, quite like gay looking boy, yep. he's a little yeah. little gay looking boy," and then yeah. there's kind of like the whiny like pill junkie school flunky Mm -hmm. and like just even within this song yeah and he's always been stylistically daring yeah i'll give him that lyrically his style is is yeah unparalleled yeah i mean i'll bet i mean Hi, kids. Do you like violence? violence? I'll never forget. Do you want that. to see me stick nine <laughs> inch nails through each one of my eyelids? I'll never forget seeing that hearing it for the first time. I'm like, wow, this guy's a genius. Like, I've never. I didn't know you could actually say this shit, on. So I love Eminem. I'm biased. So no, yeah, this, is I agree. Stuff. This, like, this is great. This, like, all stuff. I can say yeah. is he, he is a <laughs> rap god. Yeah. yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. The first time I heard this song. I... <laughs> the image of like a cartoon character's jaw hitting a floor comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Even if even if there's some corny horrible lines in it, it gets buried exactly underneath yeah. the skill. Yeah. Like that Dale Earnhardt, where he's like the way I'm racing around the track, call me NASCAR, NASCAR. NASCAR. It's like uh, but then like you said, before you can even register it, he said He's like, onto something else. Yeah, 100 words of yeah. like, "Whoa, wow, wow." And I, he's and I will say, like, he's been doing that since the beginning. Yeah. Like, the lyrical content, even for hip-hop music, which is usually lyric-heavy, yeah. he's always just stuffed every song to the brim yep. with content. Yeah, exactly. It's It maybe is, like, really dumb to compare this song to, like, Kanye West like, I am a god. <laughs> but I will say, like, they are a bit of a yin and a yang. Eminem, like... His, like, relationship with rhyme and sound and texture of lyrics is, like, unmatched. But in terms of, like, the music that accompanies it, he seems like he doesn't really care No, that his much. production has never yeah. been, like, a Kanye-level Which, production. to me, is... And then you have on the total other extremist, Kanye, where, like, the sound... Even that song, I, it's called I Am A God, yeah. right? I mean, he cares so much about the sound, but the lyrical content... To him is almost like a afterthought. If, if Eminem and Kanye try to have like a wrap off, yeah, yeah, I right, think Kanye's yeah. face would melt like the Nazis <laughs> yeah. at the end of Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark. Exactly, exactly, he exactly. would melt his face. Yep. But yep. Yeah, but yeah, but if it came to music, producing? is more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's why don't they collaborate? How, they've never collaborated? That would be fascinating. Not really. Yeah, that would. They really haven't, yeah. not, not that I can think of. It would be interesting. Obviously, if Eminem did lyrics and Kanye did music. I think the world <laughs> would end because, like, the perfect hip-hop yeah, album would be produced. it would be would the be perfect produced. song. It would be the perfect song. All right. you have any other final thoughts? Or? No, I mean, it's not breaking new ground for Eminem because he's basically always been – he was just a genius. He's always yeah. been this good. He's just reminding us that he's he just a like, hey, I'm still here. I'm still yeah. awesome. He's just a freakability. ability. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the Jungle! (laughs) Sorry, no, by uh, Imagine Dragons. (laughs) Oh, no, sorry, by uh, X Ambassadors. Uh, So Jungle featuring Jamie in Commons by X Ambassadors off the 2015 album VHS. And this song was submitted by my sister, Kelsey Wanager. The Wanager clan. Yeah. At it again. Classic Wanager. Classic, Classic Wanager. <laughs> Submitting songs. Submitting songs. Uh, Ex Ambassadors is an American alternative rock band from Ithaca, New York. Uh, okay. Originally, they were simply known as Ambassadors. The name came from drummer Adam Levin's uh, Remo Ambassador drumhead. It said Ambassador on it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, were, they, they went through. Uh, a slew of names. They were also called the Kins at one point, the Wait, and Scarlet Joe Manson at, at one point. No, <laughs> oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I kind of wish they'd stuck with that one. And then I guess at one point in time they were also called Pocket, which was named after Hot Pockets, the delicious microwave treat. <laughs> Interesting fact: the band's keyboardist Casey Harris has been blind since birth. Really? He is blind can't see anything wow
1: yeah and
0: uh so as i referenced they were discovered by imagine dragons and kind of carted around oh they really were they were oh, wow. all right nice. they, they're on the same label as them and they open for them imagine dragons heard them like oh we got to show these people to everybody so yeah, Take you them on are, the road. Your joke was embedded in more truth than yeah, you ever yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the that was the initial vibe I got. They yeah. seem that they're of the same zeitgeist, man. Dare I say? Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever use the word zeitgeist with the magic <laughs> dragons, but <laughs> but I just fucking <laughs> you did, just did bro. it. <laughs> All right, so uh, this album, VHS, is Who their What world are you living in, dude? <laughs> okay, go ahead. is their debut album? It's uh, 20 tracks long. And what? T- yeah. Well, it contains a <laughs> wow. multitude of short interludes okay. and skits, right. which was highly inspired by Eminem albums from the 90s, okay. which had skits and little things uh, in between. It's very intertextual here. Yeah. Uh, so this song, Jungle, features uh, the vocal performance of the British blues and rock folk musician Jamie in Commons, who hails from New Cross, London, who is also on the same label as X Ambassadors and Imagine Dragons. I guess uh, this song is popular as shit. It's been featured in... (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. wait. That's got to be the title of this. Oh, I just just trumped it. Well, I guess this song is popular as shit. That should be the name of this. I wonder how many more times I can inspire (laughs) a new track. That's really good. So it was... (laughs) It was featured in uh, season 2 of Orange is the New Black, yeah, yeah. the video game Battlefield Hardline, the film Pitch Perfect 2, a Beats by Drake commercial, the film Horrible Bosses 2, a WWE Holy. commercial, the film Hercules, the film Project Almanac, the film Hitman Agent 47, and the wow. TV series Blacklist. They made so much money off of, of their, this song. Yeah. They made more money off of this song than like the talking heads probably ever made in their career. Yeah, or ever will <laughs> oh going God, forward. That's insane! Wow, it's like a whole new paradigm of making music. Yeah, wow. just have your one song being everything and sell that sucker! Yeah. Wow, hats off to them, man. Uh, there is a music video for this song. It depicts shots of the band as well as Jamie and Commons singing and performing the song, which is juxtaposed with shots of black people, Jews, and punks.
1: <laughs>
0: the yeah, that, that's, literally that's what it at, is. That literally literally what it at, is literally yeah. it. Uh, according to what the director, it's supposed to highlight various subcultures in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. There wasn't much meaning I derived from yeah. from the music video. Yeah. So the the meaning of the song, uh, Alex DeKid, who owns the label that this song is, and actually was a co-writer and producer on. The song explained that the intention was for the track to inspire the the less prosperous and the disadvantaged he said it was my goal to write and produce an anthemic song that would resonate with anyone that has grown up in or been around underprivileged surroundings sam harris the lead vocalist and guitarist for the band and brother to the blind keyboardist casey harris explained that the lyrics were inspired by the change of pace they experienced when they moved to New York. He recalled that he would sometimes accompany his brother on his brother's way to work and just see that people would completely disregard him and step over his cane and bump into him. Mm. And that's Mm. kind of what the song is commenting on. Mm. Uh, Jamie and Commons, who sings on the verses in this song, uh, verified some of the lyrics on this song's Genius page. Saying, I had just moved to LA and was trying to fit in and didn't have a lot of friends. Sam had New York on the chorus and I had LA in the verses. The sentiment is universal, I suppose. So, hmm. what did you think of Welcome to the Jungle? Welcome to the Jungle! No, I thought this song was effective for what it was, which is, to me, it was kind of like a, a highly produced raw sound. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like a kind of gritty, kind of like gospel, jungle, like southern boogie. Baptist. Yeah, with like a Tom Waits, but it's but it's, it has a very high production value. Extremely yeah. clean. Yeah, extremely clean. Um, and it kind of has, you know, lyric enough lyrical doom in it to kind of give that hit that tough guy register. The one thing I gotta say, which you already alluded to, is I, I'm amazed that. How this song has all those things going, but it remains like one of the most radically non-political songs ever. It it doesn't say anything. There's not. There's It doesn't say anything. There's not as an iota of political flavor I could derive from it. Even even the music video, (laughs) which would seem like it's going somewhere, because like oh, you're showing these Hasidic Jews and these. Black people in church, but there's but nothing. nothing's happening. Yeah, there's nothing. It's just literally shots of them. Yeah, which so I that was the one thing that kind of like disrupted my expectation in a slightly negative way. I was I thought there would be something like Black Lives Matter or even. Even if it had been like the far-right All Lives Matter, which I totally disagree with, I would have at least been they're like, not, they're, they're, there's something political. They're playing it so safe, yeah. and they are not taking a stance, but they want you to think Think it. they're taking yeah, a stance. Yeah, take it. So that's, like, this song shows an enormous amount of potential, and maybe now that they've made a ton of money, they'll do something... To fully realize that potential, because it seemed like I liked the kind of weird Cajun jungle boogie vibe and the weird doom preacher vibe, and the but there was it was missing the bite. I've never heard a song that had so much bite that had no bite.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like I like that main beat. It's so like booming, like boom, yeah, clap, boom, and I, yeah. And it's it's like dripping with blues and soul. Yeah, exactly. But I can't help but feel like I'm being hit over the head with cultural appropriation. I don't mean yeah. to throw that word around again, but it's like, and I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I think it's good when we can all come together and be inspired other by culture. other people stuff. Oh, whoops. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> it's no. oh, it's like I li- I like that. We can build off yeah. of each other. And remix it. And but they're also just trying so goddamn hard to make music that white boys don't make. Yeah, it was very much... There's like a word for white person blues. And I can't remember what it is. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yes, yeah, Stevie. <laughs> it's very Stevie Ray Vaughan. No, but yeah, it's definitely the white dude. In fact, probably five times I wrote like white dude... Uh, yeah, white dude blues. White like, dude blues. I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely, and even just watching the video with the guy with the hat, and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And it's like,
1: we well, to the jungle. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs>
0: Fat Albert. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it was like, I, I still, I, I'll admit, I liked the cinematic feel that it had to it. But now that you've told me how much money it made, I almost feel like that was intentional. Well, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, I wonder how many people who are ex-ambassador fans, I'm looking at you millennials. Yeah. Like, it's, it's probably getting to a point where people don't realize, the, like, the cultural historical significance of blues in America. Yeah and they might just think like oh this is a really cool original sound i haven't heard before or even worse is they'll say these guys are ripping off the black keys that's what i really fear is someone's going to hear this and be like they're ripping off the black keys how many how much crossover do you think there's black keys fans with ex ambassadors fans i don't know i bet i don't know you think a, i've never met a hardcore i actually black did, i don't keys really fan. listen to black the black keys that much like i feel like they're always like yeah. they're one of those bands that like I'm always told I should like, yeah. but I never really listen. Yeah, I never. To... Yeah, same. I don't know. The, the song reminds me of Black Keys a little bit, too, that they're just kind of hitting that same vein. Which I think, I don't know. If they're ripping off anyone, I do almost feel like the degree to which they're mixing genres that are not associated with mainstream white culture, they're almost ripping off Tom Waits. I gotta say, yeah. almost more than anyone else. If you consider Tom Waits an actual canon in music, this is ripping in him off. In Japan, yeah, he's big in Japan. <laughs> it is kind of ripping off Tom Waits, which I kind of, I'll say, I actually kind of appreciate a little bit to hear something that's actually kind of Tom Waitsy on the radio. Yeah, especially like at a mainstream level. Yeah, it's mainstream, and I do, I would, genuinely, earnestly wait to hear what they do next. Maybe now that they've made, you know, two billion dollars. They'll just go full yeah. heart freak. Well, but as it stands, it's it. I have no other way to say. It, but I've never heard a song with so much growl, so much bark, but no bite. It has so much soul, <laughs> yeah. but it's not a soul. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, speaking of mainstream, let's move on to our next song. <laughs> Unless so you have anything else to say. No, no, no. I'll I will say I overall I appreciate this song for what it was. I don't want to sound no, too I, negative I, about it. I, I yeah. think it is an enjoyable song to listen to, but then when I think about it too much, it yeah. just bring raises some questions. Which we're forced to do. As part of a podcast, yeah. we got listening to listen I didn't to want it hard. to do this podcast. Yeah. It's all There's guns to our heads. Yeah. People don't realize that. People are holding guns to our heads. Which is welcome to the yeah. jungle. Oh, okay. All right, let's talk about heathens by 21 Pilots. You're a heathen. Oh, whoa, whoa, she's a heathen. Uh, <laughs> submitted by <laughs> Chance Meyer, who was featured on the most recent episode of Shuffle. Yeah, I met that guy. We we Facebook that friends guy. with him. So yeah, ve- they uh, met on Facebook. It's very intimate. I consider him a close friend. They played Shrek Super Party Yeah, other. we played. <laughs> I haven't even done that with my wife. Jeez, <laughs> Uh, This uh, song is featured on the 2016 album Suicide Squad, The Album. 21 Pilots is an American music duo from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Their genre of music has been described as a mix of alternative hip-hop, electro-pop, and indie pop-rock. Many many fans of the band have difficulty trying to label the band due to the many genres that their music spans, so they began to unofficially label them. It's schizophrenic pop. Wow. Yeah, it's a little insensitive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just schizophrenic people. That's very insulting. Wow. Frontman Tyler Joseph came up with the name for the band while studying the Arthur Miller play All My Sons while he was in college. Really? Wow. The play is about a man who must decide what is best for his family after causing the death of 21 pilots during World War II because he knowingly sent them faulty parts for the good of his business. Yeah. Tyler explains that this story of Moral Dilemma was the inspiration for the name of the band, 21 Pilots. The band released their first two albums by themselves before being signed to the Fueled by Ramen label, which was famously known as, like label that fallout boy and panic at the disco are on so the album suicide squad the album as you may have guessed is the soundtrack album to the film of the same name suicide squad it contains old and new music from various artists Clinton Skrillex, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Wiz Khalifa, Imagine Dragons, Ex-Ambassadors, Eminem, everyone else that's on this list. All the obscure names. Ex-Ambassadors and Eminem. (laughs) Wow. Grimes, Panic at the Disco, CCR. Wait, Grimes? Yeah. Grimes wrote an original song for it called Medieval Warfare. Really? Yeah. It's a decent song. It's not the best thing she's ever done. Wow. So it's so weird against suicide squad i thought it was an indie flick
1: yeah low budget like a know. focus films yeah where did they get the I, IFC
0: movies wow where'd they get the budget for grimes <laughs> <laughs> they really broke they must have been a Not passion rick ross project. Yeah. how did they get grimes must <laughs> yeah. well, have been a real passion project yeah. for i, guess, I yeah it was a it was charity yeah no kidding they couldn't have gotten like taylor swift they huh. went all the way for grimes That's cool. So this track, uh, Heathens, was the first single released off of it. On June fifteenth, two 2016, the band tweeted a message in Morse code, which translated into the words, Take it slow, which is a lyric taken from the song itself. On the same day, the song was leaked onto the internet. Um, Atlantic Records was trying to seek out, take legal action against those who leaked it. But upon investigation, they realized was probably the band that did it themselves, so they stopped looking. (laughs) Uh, There's a music video for this song. It shows uh, Joseph, the lead singer of the band, singing in Bella Rave, which is the fictional prison set in the DC universe that the movie takes place in. Throughout the video, uh, he keeps seeing visions of a drummer, playing drums and eventually he teams up with him to perform the song for a bunch of prisoners and then the video ends with prisoner guards finding him and he was actually by himself the whole time just sitting in a weird abandoned room by himself and throughout the music video clips of the movie suicide squad are played so let's let's talk about the meaning for this song if you want to try to break it down on an academic level You can go on the songs like Lyric Genius, and there is a fucking tome of interpretations. Really? Everyone, like, just paragraph after paragraph of them dissecting every line of the song, thinking that it's like has this deep seated meaning where he's commenting on mental health and. Really? Wow. How we treat prisoners in this country. Honestly, I think that he tried to write a song where he's trying to sound like a member of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, where he's like literally saying, "I'm a bad guy. My friends are bad guys. You should watch out for us." But yeah, I thought the lyrics were very literal. They're they're yeah, pretty they they're pretty very, straight up, yeah. and people are reading. I, I I've kind of gathered that, if this makes sense, people like Twenty One Pilots, like people like My Chemical Romance were like. Every single word has to have this deep, emotional, intelligent significance. Yeah, you mine it for every possible association. If you want to stick to the the actual definition of the word pretentious, they are finding more meaning within something that is actually there. And I'm not blaming 21 pilots for that. That is the, the fans. Like, they're not yeah. they're not coming out and saying there's this meaning in the song. This is just fans interpreting yeah. the song. Because this is one of the f- – I think there's only, like, two other songs I've ever written. The lyrics are maybe a bit too literal. I thought this the lyrics were too they're literal. They're pretty straight up. I thought they were just like, okay, Suicide Squad, and then he just said, like, a word bubble. Psychopath. Murderer.
1: Psychopaths, yeah, yeah, murderers,
0: and, and that's like every single. They can smell fear. Yeah, I thought I thought the lyrics were the weak point. That's wow. Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> the the m- music, just listening to the song sonically, I find it to be a very catchy song. It gets, yes, it gets stuck in my head, especially yeah. after listening to it. I'll keep singing "All My Friends Are Heathens" just over and over in my head for the rest of the day, whether I want to or not. Yeah, I no, I agree. I think. Yes, so, exactly. Lyrically, Sonically yeah, <sighs> it brings it down. I, I honestly think the voice and the lyrics drag the song into more kind of one-dimensional feel than that kind of atmospheric, sonic sound. I actually, yeah. I thought. And what's especially weird is the guy's voice is kind of oddly childlike to begin with. Well, and then it's and the, then there's that, that pitch shift yes, voice. There's that overdub like chipmunk like, yeah. and it's like. <laughs> Couldn't he get Rick Rubin in there? Come on. Jeez. Was he too busy eavesdropping on was too busy on eavesdropping else? on T-Swift. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that whoever did his voice did the song a disservice. Yeah. yeah I, I thought the, like, I really liked the beat. Same. Same. And yeah. the groove yep. to the song. He had a good atmospheric vibe. And, yeah, like, honestly, he could have been singing anything, and I think I would have still just been bobbing my head to it. Yeah. Just because... It wasn't that like intellectually stimulating of a song. It was just an enjoyable, sonic piece of music to listen to. The lyrics... Yeah, the music was like a kind of skeletal structure of what could be a really good song. The lyrics made it seem like it's kind of just a song that could be plugged into any nameless, faceless, generic spot in a movie. Yeah. A little bit. Like, you could have picked any spot in suicide squad
1: spoiler alert
0: and put this song in there you know what i mean yeah due to the lyrics almost more than anything yeah because like you listen to the song and the beat and you can just imagine like badass looking people walking in slow motion yeah or something like that which i think that must just be the constraints of having to write a song for a soundtrack for a superhero movie especially. yeah exactly exactly make exactly. it could sound badass yeah. and menacing yeah but i think but yeah i like the production and i will yeah. say for a movie like suicide squad if someone came to you and say write the lead single off this i think most people's instinct would be to go big and i do appreciate the yeah. restraint yeah. found in this song yeah true it was true, an interesting true. way to take it i think most people would have gone big and they went restraint with yeah. it yeah yeah they did which I think adds to kind of like the sentiment of the movie, if you can read into it. But it's kind of like these like tired bad guys. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of comes across in the song, I feel. Yeah, psychological fatigue, kind huh? of. Yeah. But the, I mean, overall, it's a good song. It's not groundbreaking, but I feel like that's superhero. It's, it's no Grimes. Yes, yeah, no Grimes. <laughs> it's no Grimes. I mean, but yeah, I think superhero movies in general. They kind of, you can only go so far. Yeah. And this song, good effort. Yeah. Good effort. All right, with that, we can move on to our last song, which is the most bogus, bullshit, mainstream, <laughs> pop, Big, shitty. Dude, real sellout. Sellout. Big sellout here. Donald Trump <laughs> fucking wall-building song. That's actually why I like them, because they remind me of Donald Trump. <laughs> They're huge. <laughs> huge. Huge eventually by Tame Impala submitted to us by Maxwell Queno nice who was featured on I believe episode 10 of Shuffle this is off the 2015 album Currents which listeners might know Dominic submitted as one of his top 5 albums actually I think it was your number 1 album it was my favorite album of 2015 so rather than me go on why don't you tell us a bit about Tame Impala, and I'll pick up where you don't know what to say. Just because I feel like I feel like a poser talking about yeah. That. So Tame Impala, uh, Leonard Cohen's grandson, grew growing up in Chicago. You know, he just had the kind of bathtub base. I didn't mean you have to. You don't have to give their history. Just (laughs) tell me what you think about them. Tell me how you feel about them. I don't expect you to know all the biographical bullshit about them. That was good. That was all true. (laughs) Okay, yeah, Tame Impala. I love Tame Impala. One of my favorite bands. I can't claim to know every. There's some insanely diehard fans. So I have to say I'm more toward the casual fan in this but there kevin parker is the artistic body of the entire band he does every single instrument every single sound he engineers the entire album and then he just has a backing band uh and he has previous experience in other australian psychedelic bands that are really well known you can google and look at or ask jared who does the research ask jared askjared.com all right let's see what jared found yeah. out yeah Tame Impala, Australian psychedelic rock band that hails from Perth, founded by Kevin Parker in 2007. The group began as a home recording project for Parker, who writes, records, performs, and produces all the music. Seems like you're right so far. Nice. Parker's decision to make the music for Tame Impala in the studio by himself is the result of Parker liking, quote, the kind of music that is the result of one person constructing an awesome symphony of sound. He's an artur, full-on yeah. artist. Yeah, he tries to be. yeah. You can layer your own voice 700 times for a half second if you want. I just love that kind of music, yeah end quote. <laughs> uh, an Impala is a medium-sized antelope found in eastern and southern africa Uh, i found a video where he kind of talks about where the name came from he stated that the band name comes from the idea of coming across one of these animals in the wild and for a brief second making eye contact with the animal and having a connection with it the idea of making a connection with something foreign to yourself even for just a moment it does, uh, He, I think he does a lot of drugs. Oh, I've, uh, well. I've also yeah. read that every time, like it's kind <laughs> of like Heath Ledger's The Joker, where every time you ask him how he got these scars, yeah. the story changes. Yeah. When I found this video, someone labeled one of his many explanations yeah. for the name of the band. Yeah. In, in interviews, the interviews are pretty funny. To if, read. if you're making psychedelic music yeah. in today's modern age, I'm sure you might dabble in the LSD world. of Yeah, things. exactly. But I will say. Australia in particular has like a pretty big music scene in the last like five years yeah Jet yeah <laughs> oh my god I was, yeah. no but um Courtney Barnett yeah the most latest of but a string of them but I think yeah he's a the way that he's expanded psychedelic rock and I think the reason I like this album in particular is because just listening to how he's gone from psychedelic rock as a starting point To this album, which is what he wants to be a dance album, but in spite of himself, I think he's so unbelievably obsessed with sound and layers that it's still, to me, a headphone album. You gotta listen to it with headphones, even though you'll shake your head to it. Yeah, he—he's definitely, and I don't say this lightly, like Trent. Resner level obsession. I think so. Every yeah. single note yeah. has it's meant to be there. Yeah, you can hear the obsession in the music. I've heard it because there was an interview after the album had won a bunch of accolades, and he was like, "I still listen to that album and think of all the other stuff I could have done and how I can make it better." And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> dude, fu- calm the fuck down." Yeah. It's, wow. Like, take some LSD. Yeah. <laughs> All which, right. yeah, it's just that insane work ethic. Yeah. So the, this album, Currents, is the third album by Tame Impala. And it was actually, I found out, the first time that he actually recorded every single sound by himself. Yeah. In the past, while he wrote everything, sometimes he would bring in friends okay, to like play. record yeah. stuff. But he literally recorded every single noise you are hearing nice. on yeah. this album, which I don't even think Trent can say for a lot of his <laughs> albums. Uh, Like its predecessors, the album was received critical acclaim and it became the group's best charting release to date, debuting at number one in Australia, number three in the UK, and number four in the United States. It has sold over 120,000 copies in North America as of December 2015 and won Best Rock Album and Album of the Year in 2015 for the ARIA Music Awards. In contrast to the psychedelic rock sound of the project's prior work, *Currents* mm-hmm. marks a shift towards a more dance-oriented, which Dominic alluded to, sound, which has a heavier emphasis on synthesizers rather than guitars. Uh, Parker was inspired to seek a change out of, this, out of the desire to hear Tame and Paul's music played in dance clubs more yeah, and in more of a communal setting. And thematically, the record is about the process of... Of a person's transformation which many critics have interpreted to be the result of a romantic breakup so take it to him to make a dance album about being heartbroken <laughs> yep and uh, the album's cover art depicts a vortex shedding which is I guess this thing in fluid dynamics which is a, a vortex shedding is a oscillating flow that takes place when a fluid such as air or water flows past past a bluff body mostly it's if you have a heavy object in water and water's flowing past it the waves it makes yeah. beyond it you got to look at it and you got to see it to i will say not i i am no tame and paula expert but simply listening to this song the album art for this album sound like looks like how the song yeah. sounds yep. he yep. made he somehow sonically created the visual of vortex shedding yeah throughout the whole album there's like i don't even know just a flow and there's constant like aural rippling reverberations yeah Yeah, exactly there's just like sound echoes and crisp and crackles and and yeah you gotta look at the album and there's a a different uh versions of that uh album cover for different singles yeah this one this single in particular eventually has like a triangle shape i believe yeah. So eventually was the fourth song and single to be released from Currents, which is prior to it was the last song to be released prior to the album actually coming out. Mm-hmm. In a Reddit ask me anything, Kevin Parker plucked this song out of the rest to identify it as the emotional core of the album. Mm-hmm. He says, "I have to say though, there's a song on the new album called Eventually that is still very moving for me to listen to even after listens and mixes. So you're supposed to take away that this song is essentially the central idea of the album Currents. Eventually dissects the impending end of a relationship and the difficulties in doing so, attempting to emphasize the latter part of the phrase short-term pain, long-term gain. He's essentially talking about how he needs... He knows that he needs to end this relationship he's in, but he's afraid of hurting his partner, but he realizes that in the end it will be the best for the both of them. Mm -hmm. And had I not read the lyrics, I don't think that idea would have ever been, like, I would have never (laughs) come upon that idea. Yeah. I'm not saying this isn't, like, a happy-sounding song, but it's not a sad-sounding song, and that's a pretty, like, depressing idea in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And also, tell me about Eventually. You've probably listened to this way more than I have. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my least favorite songs on the really? album. But it's still, pound for pound, I think one of the best songs of last year. Just to tell you how much I really sure. like the album. It's an album that you definitely... I mean, I, I am the most biased Tame Impala fan But this album, more than any of the others, merits listening to from front to back. And listening to this song in its context, as if each song was its own movement, it is like the most emotional, bordering on like kind of simultaneously sappy, sad, hopeful, mysterious, but it's the most, you know, emotional. It is the emotional core, but To me what makes him so good is it's as if he writes a song that could on its own be a relatively good single on any album and he just adds so much sound palettes of sound and textures and echoes and cracks and overlaying his own voice a hundred different times that yet defies any single emotional register so when you said when you first listened to it or even the first five times it didn't strike you as that emotional that's what makes it so good yeah because it's so you removed li- yeah you could listen to it a hot hu- it has no um, one elemental feeling to it it's just this complex aura of sound in spite of whatever he tried to do because he's just so obsessed with as many yeah. layers as possible yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> any bit of like humanity and it was removed from yeah. the hundreds of hours of tinkering yeah, you, exactly. you know he did to this yeah. song yep exactly exactly I, I the the bass in this song the booming yeah. bass I'm is, glad you is said is that. probably yeah. like the highlight of the whole song like, that's the dun, highlight dun, of dun, the whole dun, album yeah. and like yeah. I upon my first five or so listens as you said I was almost upset by how little it was used in this song like yep. you, he was like a good drug dealer where he gave me a little bit of just the good enough. stuff and yeah, then he yeah, held, it yeah. held it back but then upon listening to him like okay if he had done this for the whole song it wouldn't have been so just fucking awesome yep. Yep. like it was in it just the right amount it's in it at the very beginning Yep. and then he brings it back right before the chorus twice yep. and then you never hear it again for yep. the rest of the song and then the very next song if, if, you, if you listen to it front to back the very next song is the, is the less I know the better which is one of the best bass hooks of like the last five years better than Paul McCartney a little bit better than Sir Paul <laughs> McTrash a little bit better but yeah it, I'm glad you said that because the bass is one of the best parts of the entire album like he has an ear for everything, but f- weirdly so, he has a great ear for bass. He can just slap the bass. It, he just slaps the bass. But no, I agree. It's restrained in the song, but there's enough to give you that kind of throwback funky vibe. But then the restraint he shows in other like it's it's all of my favorite parts of this are the restraint. Yeah. The very last fifteen seconds of the song, this like hip hop kit drum fill comes in out of nowhere that you didn't hear for the rest of the song. Yep. And it fades out and it's just like, fuck, where did this come from? This is awesome. Yeah. And then I think even maybe, maybe even more so than the bass, my favorite part of the song is near the second half. He keeps doing these, like, false stops. Yeah. Like, dun, dun, dun. And then nothing happens yep. and it goes back yeah, into like it a and it keeps catching off guard and it's like yep. it's like you're almost dozing off listening to like the druggie and then it slaps you back away yep. and you're like, Okay, I'm back. Yeah. And it, exactly. It just brings you right back in. Yeah. And I even after listening to it like thirty times, it still catches me off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is just brilliant. Yeah, it has like a drunk kind yeah. of vibe to it. Yeah. Exactly. A drunk intentionality. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well said. No, it's it's somehow he gives you just enough kind of like a pop vibe, I feel like, to get people into his music, but the sonic complexity makes you kind of start working to try to understand what he's yeah. trying to do, which is to me, I would say the same thing, and I don't say it lightly, of, of actually Nine Inch Nails. No, they have, I agree. They have enough of a pop sensibility to get people to listen, but they're so complex that once you start getting into them, they make you work for it. Which they is do. The, that's like the it's, hallmark. That's that's the genius. Yeah, level. that's the hallmark of it. And I that's definitely like. <laughs> I don't know how often Tame Impala and, and Nine Inch Nails get compared. I never. I, yeah, I, I yeah, couldn't I stop yeah, drawing comparisons because yeah. it was just like, when I first listened to this song, because I've heard about Tame Impala so much that like, I was afraid I was gonna hate it when I listened. to Yeah. It. And then I I listened to this song. I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And Then the more I kept listening, it just kept sucking me in. Yeah, because there's was just. And more now and I feel like, like I'm just stuck in the spider's web. Nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! This That's is all great. it takes. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, can you imagine if Trent Reznor and Kevin Parker hung out together? They'd probably kill each other. They'd probably fucking hate <laughs> each other. Because I can imagine they're they're both just obsessive such control yeah. freaks. <laughs> That the second one of them try to take control of the situation, the other one would lose their shit, probably. Yep. (laughs) It would never work out. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Ever. No, wait, so I was a slight correction. This song bleeds into a 50-second song called Gossip that sounds a bit like a mashup of Brian Eno and Neil Young. That's the only way I can describe it. And then it goes into The Less I Know, The Better, which is one of the best bass hooks. Of, like, the last ten years. Fantastic. So, yeah, I'm a huge Kevin Parker fan. Even if... Even... For whatever reason, even if he makes songs that, like... I, under any other circumstances, wouldn't like... There's so much complexity to them... That I just... I gotta give it up to him.
1: You're in
0: awe. Yeah, I'm in awe. And this song is... I don't know why. It's one of my least favorite. There's only nine songs on the album. It's one of my least favorite, but I still... Have nothing but respect for this song. Yeah, it's saying a lot. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming your favorite track of the yeah, five it's, was it's eventually damn ball. I'm a sellout, out to my own ego. You sold out to the least sellout <laughs> song on the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for me. It's got. A, it's a toss up between that and Rap God. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. like that's very hard to compare the two. They're both. Yeah. I I can recognize the craft in eventually but the sheer like force like okay here's what i'll say like kevin parker worked for how good eventually was yeah rap god was completely (laughs) like whether eminem wanted it to be good or not it just was it's like naturally occurring yeah so it's like yeah, it's Which like... <laughs> one do, do you have more respect for the thing that the person worked really hard for or the thing that's just a natural gift to the world? Yeah, just elemental. Yeah. I, I guess <laughs> if pressed, I would probably have to lean towards Rap God. I'll probably listen to Rap God more than eventually. Yeah. Myself, even though I love Eventually. But I do yeah. recognize, yeah. like, I that should be saying a lot for eventually that it could even like stand up to rap God just because it's just a force to be wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, but it, it is, is like, I do feel slightly bad about choosing one over the other. Yeah. It's a tough pick. All right. Holy shit. Two hours. My okay. mom's going to kill me. <laughs> you got to get home. <laughs> okay. Uh, that'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you all for listening if you like this user submitted playlist or if you'd like to submit your own song or if you just like to connect with us check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash shuffle on twitter at shuffle podcast on tumblr shufflepodcast.tumblr.com. send us an email shufflecastpod at gmail.com if you want to to see any of the news stories we talked about? Please check out our website at jaredscott.com/shuffle. That's jrdsct slash shuffle You can go on there, click on our Amazon link, go buy some stuff, help support the podcast, pay my way through school, pay Dominic's way through graduate <laughs> school, and it, the it will not affect your prices at all. You shop as normal. And we get a little bit of kickback. So it's a win-win-win-win situation. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Also, please check out uh, my good friend John's podcast, The Game Cave Podcast, at soundcloud.com slash thegamecavepodcast. Other than that, that'll wrap up this long, hot, steamy comeback episode. Mm, You should have cut it off at come. (laughs) God damn (laughs) it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Fuck.